Today, we are going to, and guys are going to love this. <laughs> guys are going to love this. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about power. Okay, power. Okay, and, you know, I, I, we're going to start out, um, you know, kind of Tim the tool man, you know, more power. Okay, so I've got kind of an, a, a story here I want you to see a picture of. I want you to imagine as we start this out that I'm going to give four of you uh, a task to complete, okay? And, and, here's, and it's identical except for one thing. Okay, what I'm going to give each, uh, four of you, I'm going to give you two boards and I'm going to give you six screws, okay? And I'm going to tell you I want you to use those six screws to attach those two boards together. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, here's the difference. Uh, uh, one of you, I'm not going to give you any tools at all. You're going to have two boards and six screws. And I want you to attach those boards together with no tools. Okay? Yeah. Second person, I'm going to give you a small screwdriver. There. See that little screwdriver? Yeah. That's, that's one of those little 10-cent ones, you know, that, you know, you, you, know, you get. Okay? I'm, I'm going to give you that little, I'm going to give you that screwdriver, and you're going to attach those two boards with those six screws. Okay? The third person is going to get the boards and the screws, and they're going to get a drill, a power drill, except there's no battery. Okay? And then to the fourth person, I'm going to give exactly the same thing, except I'm going to give you a battery with a battery charger. And that battery has no charge in it, but, it will, but the battery charger will fully charge it in one hour. Okay? So now, here's my question. There's the four people. Everybody's got the same boards, same six screws. First person, no tools. Second person, a little tiny kitty screwdriver. Third person gets a power drill with no battery. Fourth person gets a power drill with a battery that's dead, but it gets a one-hour charger with it. Who's going to finish the task first? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, what a what a treat! No, this, this yeah, you're all in different spaces, you know, just all you know. No, okay. So if we think about it, right, the 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 first person who who gets no no tools, they, you might be able to get some screws, you know, started, you know, destroy your fingers and your fingernails, but you might be able to get a few screws started, but obviously you will never get them through two two-inch boards, right? So it's an impossible task. It will never be completed. The second person uh, who, you know, who gets the little kiddo screwdriver, right? Okay, you know, you might get some screws started. You might even get it into, you know, the first board. But can you imagine by that second board and all that resistance, you know, that screwdriver will probably break, okay? But, but, but you know, you, you'll, you'll never finish the job. Okay, the third person who's got the power drill that's got a bit in it, you know, it's it's almost like a bigger screwdriver. So you know, obviously that person might be able to get some screws in, but they would never get them all the way down in six screws. The fourth person, 
is going to be the only one who can actually complete the task. And they can do it in 61 minutes. Right? Everybody get why it's 61 minutes? Yeah, because it's going to take 60 minutes to fully charge the drill, pop the battery on it, and in one minute, you can not only drive your six screws, but you can drive the six screws from all the other three people in one minute. So it takes 61 minutes to complete it. Jesus left his disciples with a task to do. It was called the Great Commission. Called the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15 says that he said to them, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to preach the gospel to all creation. For the disciples, this task was an impossibility. How could such a small group, how can 12 folks go to all the world and preach the gospel to everybody? It's the same request as being asked to use six screws in two big boards with either no tool or a little tiny screwdriver or the one with no battery. Look, if Jesus had given that command, that great commission to you and me today, we might think it might be hard, but we might think it would be easier to do than it was for the first century people, right? Because even with 8 billion people on the planet, we could think, hey, we've got television. We've got the internet. We've got radio. We have social media. Uh, we have air travel. And we got all these other tools and abilities that the other first century guys did not have. But even so, our best efforts would be no better than just having that little small screwdriver. There's, it'd be a lot of effort with little to show for it. Here's the thing, and this is the big point of this. Even though Jesus did tell his disciples to go and tell everybody everywhere, he also told them something else. What did he also tell them? Who knows? He told them to wait. He told them to wait. Hey, we're going to talk about this more, but I want to just stop and step outside of this for one second because it's a big deal. Jesus gave his disciples a command and said, go do this. But then he says, but wait. That same idea applies to you and me today. There are things that God may be telling you to do. It doesn't necessarily mean he means you to go do it immediately. Sometimes there's a waiting. The, the, the command does not necessarily equal the go. The command is you need to do it to be obedient. But there may be some preparation. There may be some waiting. And in this case, he told 12 people who were very willing to follow him to go and do something. But the fact is, on their own, they would have never gotten it done. But he said, but don't leave yet. Wait. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes we, we feel like God is calling us to do something. We think we've got to rush off and do it. It may be there is a bit of a wait. Because maybe God is still preparing us even though he's given us the call and the vision. Okay? Look, in order for, uh, well, in fact, we know all this. In Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, it tells us that he told them to wait. He says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized 
with the Holy Spirit. So in order for Jesus' disciples to accomplish the great task before them, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Same is true for us. Even with all of today's modern technology, we too got to wait for our battery to be charged. We got to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact is, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for the people of the world to hear the gospel. Now look, I know this is really counterintuitive. I mean, I really understand that. But what we need to understand is that in our lives, sometimes in, you have to go slow in order to move fast. Okay? Kind of, in my mind, if you can, I don't have a slide for this, so you'll just have to be your own graphic artist, okay? But I want you to picture a stop sign, okay? Big red stop sign, except what's, in, what's printed on the sign is the word go. Okay? It's a go sign, but it's on a stop sign. So, so sometimes you got to slow down for a minute in order to go fast. Okay? Okay, what does it mean to have the power of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? When we say we need the power of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Okay, having the empowerment, it's having power, having the power to do the task. Yeah, the, the, if, you, if you look up the word power in the dictionary, okay, power, the dictionary says it's the ability to act effectively. Power allows you to act effectively. It also says it's the capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Okay, so for today's discussion, and, and from what Jesus commanded to his disciples, let's look at it this way. The power of the Holy Spirit, it is the power of God. It's the power of God and his ability. This is the key part. It's not our ability. It's the power of God and his ability to act and influence in people's lives and in circumstances. And his power, as we all know, is infinite. It's unlimited and it's eternal. So here's the deal. We really, with our best efforts, with our greatest desires, you and I really can't accomplish the things that God calls us to do apart from him. But, but we can try to do it, but it really won't be even second best. So to be effective, we need the power of God's Holy Spirit working within us. Truth is, and this is a good thing for us. God knows our limitations, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. God knows our limitations. He knows how weak we are, even when we appear and we try to be strong in our appearance. But here's the result. Because of that, God, when he asks us to do something, when he gives you a task to do, he will provide the enablement. In fact, God won't ask us to do anything that he's not prepared to help us to do. He won't leave us on our own. And we have a promise in Philippians 4.13 where it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And that's it. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. 
So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is God's enablement to do what Jesus has asked us to do. And there's no doubt that the first thing he asked us to do was to take the gospel to all the world. That was the first command to, to, for us to do as believers. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for you and me to reach our world for Christ and, and thereby obey his command. Again, we said in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then, and what did it say? You will receive power and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. It wasn't before. It was you will receive the power and then you'll be my witnesses. Look, there's, there, there's no doubt that we would all agree that the baptism of the Holy Spirit releases the power of God in our lives. Okay, we, we, can, we can do the things that way that he's called us to do. And here's the real point of that. God is providing us this power, but it's not just for our own amusement. Okay, it's not just for our own amusement. It's not just so we can feel special. The release of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives is power with a purpose. It's got a purpose. And, and certainly, the, the, one of the main purposes is for us to have the power to effectively share the gospel with other people around us. Right? The people we li that, that live in our buildings, the people that we work with, the people that are in our sphere of influence, the people that we know at the store. There is, look, I, I think any of us can look at, and, and read the Great Commission where he said, go share it with the world. And, and that can look and sound so overwhelming that we actually end up not even starting. Because I don't know how to tell somebody, you know, around the globe. Does that make sense? But you know what? There's somebody who does. Okay? There's somebody who does. But, but what I can understand is God has placed you and me in a sphere of influence. There, is, there are a group of people. You might have two people. You might have 15 people. You may have 50 or 100. I don't know the number. But I'm telling you that God, he didn't give you and me a command without any plan for it to be executed. And so you can be assured that you have a sphere of influence. There are people that God has placed around you, people who know you, people who would trust you, people who, if you spoke to them about your faith, they would receive it from you when they might not receive it from me or someone else because we have no relationship. But you do. And so the thing is, there are people, and so he's given us this power because this is as much about when, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us to share the gospel, it's not that we become such wonderful speakers. No, I mean, I, mean, I think some people think, oh, well, then that must mean I'm going to become like, really eloquent or I'm going I'm to, all of a sudden, I'm going to know 50 Bible verses by memory that I can quote. Well, maybe any of that could be true. But here's the real thing. The power of the Holy Spirit at work when we share the gospel is not so much what we do. It's what God does through us. And what he does through us is he changes their hearts. It's the change of heart. It's the openness of the one hearing. You know, somebody could hear the most elegant presentation of the gospel. If their heart isn't touched or changed, nothing happens. Somebody can hear the most clumsy presentation of the gospel, but if their heart is opened, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you because you're being obedient to him, all of a sudden they're on their knees wanting to, wanting to get to know Jesus. And you kind of go, well, how did that happen? Well, because it didn't have anything to do with my ability. It had everything to do with God's ability flowing through me simply because I was obedient. Does that make sense to us? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we know for sure it's part of the power of the Holy Spirit. The primary was for us to share the gospel, but I want to encourage you to also understand that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives makes a lot of other things possible as well. It helps us to resist sinful temptations. It helps us to resist sinful temptations. It helps us to control our temper. Anybody ever need help with that? Anybody ever think, yeah, this, the power of the Holy Spirit helps me from getting angry at some times when I might otherwise get angry? Yeah, there's couples, you know, doing this, you know, and, and if they're not, they're thinking it, you know. Okay, you know, look, it helps us to, do you ever need help to resist the temptation to spend money you shouldn't spend? I mean, think about it. I mean, the thing, what I'm really wanting you to get here is the power of the Holy Spirit is this wonderful gift that we have that, yes, it's, 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 maybe its biggest, most valuable, eternal purpose is the power to share the gospel, but it helps us every day at real practical levels in our lives, too. Okay? It'll, it'll help you to, not, to control your temper and anger. Proverbs 15.1 tells us how it lives it out. It says that a gentle answer can turn away wrath. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, somebody can say something really mean to you. And while you might have otherwise jumped back with some really clever cut, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're giving a gentle answer. And, and it's not adding fuel to the fire and making the problem worth. It's actually putting salve on the wound and helping the healing to begin. Yeah, yeah. Look, it also helps us to be sensitive to and to respond to the needs of others. Galatians 6.2 tells us that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we fill the law of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit will help you, give you the eyes to see the need of the other person. will give you a heart that can hear what their voice can't say. You can hear the cry of their heart, even if they're not saying it. And you can understand how you can help them. It, it can also help us to create appropriate boundaries in our lives. It's the power to know where those lines need to be drawn occasionally. Look, here's the thing. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not about us overpowering others. It's not like power that we get to, okay? But it is about not allowing others to overpower us. But it also is preparing the hearts of those to whom we, we speak. The power of the Holy Spirit is fuel for wisdom. And it releases the development of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Folks, those things don't develop naturally. Do they? No. Those things don't just... You know, just happened some Tuesday afternoon, okay? Those things require the power of the Holy Spirit. What develops naturally is in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, and that tells us that the, 
that the, that the acts of the flesh are obvious. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and, evil, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. The reason all of this is so important is, is it's clearly spelled out in Galatians 6 and 9, which tells us, let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, if we will reap the harvest if we don't give up. You, we need to understand that without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's these other things that are going to develop, and those things will wear you down. They will wear you out. They will destroy you. And it's telling us we are not to become weary in doing good. Sometimes, it, would anybody be willing to admit with me, sometimes it's not easy to do good? Sometimes it takes a little more effort to do good? Okay? And so we need that because it tells us that if we will do that, that at the proper time, that might mean we have to wait. At, we have to wait. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Power of the Holy Spirit is power with a purpose because we will become weary, we will fall short, and eventually we will give up without it. So the question for us today then is how do we get the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? What, 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 would, what would help? Well, first of all, we need to pray for passion, for a passion for our calling. Every one of us has a calling in our lives. Power of the Holy Spirit releases passion for that calling or that ministry or that 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 ministry. When when I say ministry, you may be thinking church folks and people who work at churches. I want to tell all you, every one of you is a you're you're a minister. You are a pastor of a place where you have a sphere of influence. You may be a pastor of your workplace. That may not be on your badge. You know what I'm saying? But but you're but you may be the pastor of your building. You may be the pastor of your neighborhood. You may be the only person in that neighborhood who is praying for other people. You may be the only one who is, who is calling out to God to break through the bondages that they have and, and to give them hope. You have that. Okay, but, but we need that passion to be able to see that. Think about this. After, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter, Peter, was a guy without passion. He'd been with Jesus, but his response was to go fishing. That's where he went. Okay, But just a little later, after he waited, and he's filled with the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Peter had a passion that, a passion that now motivated him to action. Even after Peter was arrested and he stood before the same men who had had Jesus crucified, what did Peter say to the religious leaders in Acts 4.20? He said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen or heard. All of a sudden, he was filled with a passion. Peter now had the Holy Spirit and he had this powered passion. He had the love of God that is burning in his heart for other people. And nothing was going to stop him from telling them about Jesus. He wasn't the guy around the campfire who says, I don't know him anymore. He's a guy who is literally willing to die if that's what it takes. 
because, but you don't go from one to the other just out of good thoughts and good intentions. Peter had good intentions around the campfire. It's not enough. He needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in his life. Same was true for the Apostle Paul. Think about that change. His life was totally transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, giving him a love and a passion for people that just a few days before he'd been trying to kill. That's a big transformation. The power within him motivated everything he did then. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul said, For Christ's love compels us. Truth is, that only Holy Spirit power can produce a divine passion for people within our hearts. The Holy Spirit will give you eyes. The Holy Spirit will give you eyes to see people the way Jesus sees them. They can look very different to you if you can see them the way Jesus sees them. The power of the Holy Spirit will give you ears that can hear the brokenness in their lives even if their mouths aren't telling you. You can hear it. The Holy Spirit power will ignite a passion within your heart that will give you God's love for people who don't yet know him. So we need to pray for a passion for our calling. We need to desire the Holy Spirit for competence in our lives. Competence. Competence is like an ability or a mastery of something. Right? You know, it's like in school, kids take tests, right, to see if they've learned, you know, uh, achieved an acceptable level of, of uh, ability, right, uh, in a certain subject area. Uh, you know, on our own, when it comes to sharing the gospel with others, would any of you be willing to join me in admitting that there are times we haven't done that because we didn't feel smart enough? Yeah, I mean, honestly, right? We didn't, I mean, let's, this is church. This is where we can talk and be real, right? Because we didn't feel smart enough or uh, are, are ready, you know, because uh, we weren't ready. We weren't equipped. We didn't feel like we were ready. Or you feel like, oh, I'll just get tongue-tied, you know, and I'll sound foolish. I'll, I'll sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. Or we're afraid we'll come across as like an amateur, you know, because we all watch so much TV and movies, and it's all so slick and polished, and, you know, nobody ever stumbles over words. Of course, we don't know that they had to do it like 42 times before the one they showed, right? Okay, but, but in real life, we can feel that way. Look, the power of the Holy Spirit changes all that. The Holy Spirit gives us that God-provided competence and ability. Remember when, when Jesus told the disciples, when you get hauled in in front of the, 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 the people in charge, get hauled into court, basically, what did he tell them? Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry. You don't have to have a speech all ready to go. You don't have to have index cards in your back pocket you can pull out. and. No, he just said, when you need it, I'll give you the words to say. Look, the point was, when we're obedient, if we'll just be obedient, and we're in that situation... The Holy Spirit will flow through us and give us the words to say. Better yet, better yet, the power of the Holy Spirit, as he's given us the words to say, is also 
changing the heart of the person hearing it, giving them a reception, an ability to hear what's said, and most importantly, to receive it. Our ability to reach out and share the good news of Jesus with those family and coworkers and friends and all that, we can do it without worry and without fear because, again, the good news is it's got nothing to do with your ability or my ability. It's got everything to do with Christ's ability at work through you. And finally, we want to pray and seek to touch the hearts of the people that we minister to. The, the perfect example of this, I think, is uh, the account of Philip and his encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, I'm going to read it. Acts 8, verses 26 through 39. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, I want you to go to the road, down the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. He went when he was told. Okay, number one, right? He, he, he went at the proper time. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So Philip, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Desire the Holy Spirit's competence in your life. He told him the good news about Jesus. He had a passion. Then, as they traveled down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip didn't have to say, Oh, now that you want to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to line up and get baptized. This guy heard the word of God, and he said, I want to be baptized. What could possibly uh, stand in my way and he gave orders to stop the chariot then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him and when he came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but he went on his way rejoicing the power of the Holy Spirit knows and, and the power of the Holy Spirit is the only Wait, to, that, that knows what's going on in a person's heart at any given time. And he knew that, that this was a moment, that this man was seeking God. And so he brought Philip because Philip had a passion for his calling and a willingness. He had a desire for competence in his life. And so the wisdom of God was flowing through him. And 
God put him in a place to touch the hearts of those that he was ministering to. And this guy was baptized and he went on his way rejoicing. So I want to encourage all of us today, be bold. Be bold in your faith. Be bold. Don't, I didn't say be aggressive. I didn't say be rude. I, I didn't say, do, do you understand? I said be bold. Okay? Because, because God is calling us. He gave us the great commission, which I know we've all heard said it was not the great suggestion. It was the great commission. Okay? We are to share the gospel. But the good news is he didn't send us out to do it unprepared, unequipped. He has offered us the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to equip us and prepare us, and that will make us effective. So be bold because it's not you. It is the Holy Spirit at work in you, not only empowering you, but touching the hearts of those you reach. Would you stand with me as we get ready to close today? Let's just, uh, everybody just have a moment. Uh, just let's, everybody private, bow your heads, nobody looking around. Um, I think a good place for us to start today is if you're ready for the power of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit to release a passion for your calling, for whatever your area of ministry is to others, that calling, your sphere of influence, if you're ready to pray for the Holy Spirit to release a passion in you for that ministry to others in your life. Raise your hand. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lord, today you have seen our hands. You know our hearts. Lord, today we have said, ignite a passion within us, Lord. Ignite a passion within us for the ministry you've called us to in the lives of others. Lord, we ask you now for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit because it's power with a purpose for us to be effective for you. So, Father, I want to thank you right now for testimonies that will come forth in the next days, Lord, of opportunities that you've given us to be your hands and feet, to speak a word of hope, to speak a word of life, to tell others about the love of God and about Jesus. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen.